All right, friends, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have Mark Stewart. You might know him from the groups, the pop group, uh, Mark Stewart and the Mafia, or his solo project, Mark Stewart, which has a new album coming out. It's called Versus, and it features an array of amazing guests. Lee Scratch Perry, K.K. Noel, Mike Watt, just to name a few. Reoccurring listeners, you know how much we love Mike Watt. Um, yeah, but Mark, this was a really fun conversation. He's a really fun guy, really jokey, and, like, it was a good time, and there's some really insightful moments in here. We had a, a, um, communication mishap at the very beginning, like, just literally lining up the, what platform we were going to be talking on, why can't I get your, uh, I don't get the call, you're calling, and, uh, we were going through Howard at the moment, um, and Howard's just a champ and a really cool guy and worked everything out. So the very beginning of this convo is just going to be kind of praise towards Howard. We're going to listen to a track off Versus featuring K.K. Nolan, Mike Watt. This is All My Senses.
Mark Stewart, the album's verses, featuring KK Noll and Mike Watt. All right, friends, um, we're going to get into it. Uh, if you if you dig Mark's music, you probably would dig Per Ubu. Um, I did a conversation with uh, David Thomas of Per Ubu a few, a few episodes back. So if um, this is stuff you're into and you want to dive even deeper, check out that episode too. Um, if you guys can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, it helps me keep talking to cool guests and sharing those insights with you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Mark Stewart. No, it's, yeah, anyway, uh, I appreciate Howard. He's, he must have the patience of a saint. For, for sure. And he's, uh, he does, he does the, th- I don't know, he goes over and beyond, I feel. He's a good guy. Anytime I reach he out for whatever. The, 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 the cool thing is, he was in a band himself. He played with somebody from Half Japanese. Was it the And nurse? he knows. The Nurses? Hey? The Nurses? Is that what called? Uh, was it the band The Nurses? I don't know. Is, it, okay. is that what they were called? I think so. I've been trying to figure out. He hasn't told me yet. So, <laughs> yeah, somebody I, I, I believe Jad Fair was in half Japanese, but he knows he knows, you know, he's one of us. He, he goes way back, which is kind of nice. So, and I've got a funny feeling that he's a kind of gatekeeper, especially for like younger journalists and stuff. They trust that he. I, I don't. Well, I don't know. You know, but it depends if he's broke. But I think he. He works with cool people, you know. Well, for sure. Like, well, I reached out to him to talk with Watt, and uh, yeah, and then have been talking with a million of like his clients—not a million, but a lot—and like it's each one's been equally as like as exciting and interesting as Watt. So that that well, was that's good to know because we need gatekeepers, you know, and it's difficult for you guys because the problem is that. You know, because I, I, I used to go out with a journalist going, you get so much stuff, but if, like, one email you get is all cool stuff, you can sort of trust the trust his nose, you know, because we used to have this we used to have this manager. When the pop group reformed, we had this guy who was looking after us called Paul Smith, right? Right. And he, he, he was looking after Throbbing Gristle, Suicide, Pansonic. You know, he was yeah. the go-to guy if festivals wanted, like, a weird stage. <laughs> But that well okay well the, they know the audience you know and that's and they know that that they respect the art so it, it is hard to find like how you're saying yeah. a gatekeeper especially that can see into the- and often I mean the best thing is sometimes businessmen are even more maverick than the artists like Daniel Miller at Mute Jeff Travis at Rough Trade Stuart at Soul Jazz if it wasn't for guys like that we wouldn't we 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 couldn't be free you know right. They were, in fact, they were, in fact, keeping, they were protect, they were stopping, they were protecting the barbarians, you know, they were fighting back the barbarians at the gate so we could be free to do what we want. Bit like the Medicis, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Are um, you recording already? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I got that running, but I won't put that in. That's just, that's kind of... No, keep that. That's <laughs> fine. Right. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I just like to put that out there at the beginning because some people get real weirded out. Um, but... <laughs> I thought that was my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. This right, will go let's great. have a competition, dude. Let's see. Let right weird arm wrestling. Let's see who can weird who. All right, I'm up for this. Uh, face to face. Don't blink. Don't do not blink. <laughs> very nice. Um, but thank God uh, we're not in a bar. Thank God we're not in a bar. <laughs> It'd be way more fun. <laughs> um, but yeah. So only if Howard was there. <laughs> right, then it'll be like <laughs> uh, we definitely would have lost him on that. <laughs> that end. 
um, but awesome, man. Um, so one th- one thing I found fascinating um, about your career is most most musicians like they they take the they take the work and they go into the shed, right? They'll take the skill thing they're working on and shed it out. You guys started in a shed. Can you set the scene on that? Like your first gig being in a shed for a birthday party. Can you set up how that how that went? <laughs> well, <laughs> birthday party. The birth, no, the birthday party came to see us. They were influenced by us. No, well, basically, Bristol's a bit. Bristol's kind of country's country town. <laughs> I'm not sure about Cleveland, but it's. Uh, I mean, there's industry there, but. The thing is, the 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 it was more like a barn, and the and the stage was built from chicken shit. So basically, once you got out this, once you got out of this out of the town limits, you could you could like play or make music out outside in the in the sticks a lot louder. And you know, we've got this stuff in Bristol called cider. This rough stuff made like pachin made from apples. So yeah, I mean the 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 beginnings of our endeavors into. Um, whatever you call it, what we do, what I do, it was very, very strange because the, the craziest thing was punk rock outside of like the fashion Easters in London was very, very, it was a rough, it was the rough people that got into punk rock. It was the people that got thrown out of the football grounds. You know, it was, it was, it, I, I don't know, you know, it was crazy. You'd be covered in spit people climbing on top of each other it was it it, it, but it was great fun and it was kind of like to a certain class it was really enabling that was the interesting thing about punk rock you know because a a lot of us thought you know there was nothing you you didn't dream maybe if you became a footballer or something or you won the lottery you didn't you know the only thing was getting the there was a bus that used to go to that used to have shadow factory written on the on the Thing and you had to get on there at six o'clock and they built some planes called this the shadow Bramson shadow or something my dad worked out there mm. you know and it's the sort of factory you don't come back from until you're like 84 you don't even get a gold watch <laughs> damn so i'm quite pleased really i mean you know yeah i, I work hard but I, I to be able to do what you enjoy doing and it's funny you should say autism but because uh, but I question any of those sorts of tags, but somebody said to me the other day, an autist, instead of an artist, an autist. Mm. Right? Right. And, right. you know, who, who know? for me, normal, normal's weird. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Well, like, like... And I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, dude. <laughs> Beanies are even weirder. I know. All you need is like a Zapata mustache. Uh, yeah, then I'll be. Mm. You just had surgery or something. I'm not going to make any jokes. Oh, you just no, come no. out of hospital. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just got out of bed. To bike accident. <laughs> well, the car came off better than the car came off better than your face, dude. Anyway, I must say you've got the face for podcasts. We used to say you got the face. Ah. <laughs> Fair. I'll give you that. We've got these comedians in England called Morecambe and Wise, and what are yeah. their catchphrases? They used to pretend to be newsreaders, <laughs> and they'd stand up, and they wouldn't have any trousers on. Yeah. And from an early age, we thought all the newsreaders, and even the, the female news, we thought they didn't have anything below the shirt and tie. You know. Yeah. 
That's the state of the media, though, these days, eh? Let's get a little bit <laughs> edgy. Gotta get them viewers right. <laughs> Yay! Jeez. Yeah. Oh, man. But, <laughs> but yeah. So, and your dad was a scientist, right? No, yeah, you're there now. Yeah, okay. but he had to, he had to, he had to, he had to, like, go to night school. He had to work his way through. You okay. know, he didn't go to, like, university or something he had to learn in the evenings you know yeah damn well that's where the hustle comes from then jeez um you guys yeah but the interesting thing was uh you know in the early 60s and in the late 50s my mum and dad had there was a thing called skiffle here which was like a take on sort of I think they're kind of Appalachian sort of hillbilly songs, Rock Island line and whatever. Anyway, these English guys started playing with like a tea chest and a, and a washboard and did this weird like English take on American roots, really. Mm. And just before rock and roll, and they all wore duffel coats and went on band the bomb marches. It was quite a weird period, kind of beatniks, English beatniks, right? Right. But my dad and all his mates were really, really into science fiction, English science fiction. And English science fiction in the late 50s was pretty out there. It was like the English equivalent of cyberpunk in the 80s, right? And the thing is, they were really, really idealistic in a, in a similar way to the way we were idealistic in the, in the punk times, right? right? And they really believed they could change the world and build these... They went on... They tried to build the things that these science fiction writers were dreaming about. That's fascinating. And yeah. Like, so working on time travel in the evenings. Like... No, that's you guys at Montauk. <laughs> no, yeah, we went medieval. English always a bit more medieval, dude. Yeah. <laughs> We've got enough history. We don't need to find any. <laughs> I hear the Vikings went there first, though. Did you realize that America, the mayor of Bristol? Uh, I, yeah, I lost you there in a second. Bristol, yeah. A boat left Bristol a bit before the other guys who claimed that claimed to, you know, obviously the Vikings were there and there were people, you know, there's people going backwards and forwards throughout time. But, right. And it's connected up to, you know, up to the, on the land masses. Where, anyway, but um, there was a guy, there were these people called the Merchant Ventures because Bristol's like a big port town. Right, and there was big connections to America, and there was a guy, John Cabo went right, but the guy who paid for the vessel, who was in charge of the like the local trade board, who were called the Merchant Ventures, his name was A. Allen Merrick, M. E. R. Y. C. K. So A. Merrick, hmm. get it? <laughs> Put an A at the end, which you would if you were a Bristolian sailor, a little bit worse. America, get it? I got. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's why you guys speak a bit weird because you've got the burr from us. <laughs> you got weird. You got all the weird Devon accents from all the people because it was basically the the freaky religious nut and all the nutters, all the complete outsiders that got pushed off England over there. Anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's why it's always been crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's where Perubu come from. Right. Cleveland's got such an amazing history, though, dude. I'm right. Oh, I was gonna. I was Rocket gonna. From the tomb. Rocket from the tombs. Um, television's first like out of out of state gig was in Cleveland. Um, oh, that's psychic. I was yeah, psychic. I love television. Um, there were co- there were cool bands there in the sixties, right as well. Yeah. Um, but what, what? So you you guys ended up touring with Perubu, and like. Oh. So I, I, I love, I mean, I still love the guy. He came to see us in Brighton. 
Yeah. Uh, Dave he's Thomas? just a big huggy bear. Dave, Dave Thomas. I love the guy. I love the guy. Oh, and uh, you know, I was saying that him and, and Charles from this, he gave us, they were like such role models. They, they, it was like somebody, an older person who stayed weird. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. They gave us hope that we didn't have to try and get rid of the sharp edges. Oh, legend. Absolute legend. I mean, data panic. I mean, what, oh, Perubu, Chrome, you know, what, how, they say the pop group were, were prescient or all that was ahead of the, but I mean, you know, data panic in the year zero, you know. Yeah. Men- was it, um, I did, I talked with Dave Thomas a few months ago and, um, and, and he hasn't let up, like the stuff they're doing now is equally as like, it's, yeah. and it's too, too organized music like that is like such another level it's not like some people hear and they hear randomness and obscure like they can't follow these no. patterns but when you talk to him about it it's there's the metrical, a pattern the metric right yeah the totally totally it's like michelangelo it's like and then beneath behind the thing it's like you look at some abstract paintings but they've still put on that grid that what is it the golden mean you know the certain right. ratio that yeah, I mean, no, no, he's, he's, you know, he's, for one thing, he's, but he, you know, there's, there's an order to his chaos, but he still challenges. The interesting thing is, it's like with Ornette Coleman or something, they can, they're so structured that they can go out there. Right. You got to know the rules to break them. The splurge, and we kind of do, sometimes we write like perfect pop songs and demolish them. Because otherwise, if you try and, ghost out or freak out something it just turns into a blurb if it isn't highly structured already people go mad at me saying this could be a huge hit you know yeah <laughs> well that's well that's a thing like once what odd time anything that's outside that four four or that common thing everyone's used to feeling is it it's a weird experience a friend of mine just started making music and waltz timing and okay so all in three four yeah yeah <laughs> And how's that been panning out? <laughs> well, yeah, you just kind of, you know, it, it's it's quite weird because every every everybody is so much on the grid, right? That the 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 slightest, if you if you move their napkin, they lose it these days, you know. Yeah. But you can you can see people, you know, people realign, and some people you can see they've lost their chains. It's yeah, it's interesting. You see what I'm saying? Because we're yeah, yeah. kind of locked down by all this kind of, by all this all these things that we're meant to be or meant to do or manners or customs or whatever. It's 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 it it stops. It stops freedom and intuition sometimes. Do you know what I mean? And then suddenly, when an artist throws a curveball, it opens the world up again, and the rainbow comes out. You know. Definitely, and that, like I don't, it's interesting that it's. Because even three, four, your waltz time, that's still thrown in common time signatures, at least with like folk music and like certain genres. But just even like something that was super like kind of popular, accepted, and had like these expectations, like when there's like this certain time frame or, or um, canvas, there's these parameters that usually, well, the art starts, or the, the song stops at the end of the at the end of the canvas. And then like, but if you paint on the wall, that's not the same thing. That's something exactly. else. Exactly. What the best things I saw, I was just in this little tiny, in a small town, you know, like those funny galleries where the wife or the husband is an artist or something, you know, homemade yeah. sort of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and the picture they were painting like a, a, a tree or something, right? And it, but the thing came out over the edge of the of the frame, so oh, it kind cool. of broke the narrative. Yeah, yeah. I love shit like it, it. It leaked. Yeah, and like musically, when you do that, what's that? That's like that's an odd time. That's an odd sound. That's a weird. That's a complete turn of form because it's kind of organizing yeah. sounds. Um, in Perubu, well, improvisation. When I first saw Derek Bailey, right, yeah. this this free jazz guitarist, I mean, to be able to harness, like, pull the horses in your brain, full stop, turn around like on a wagon train, and drive backwards into into your own idea of who you are is mind blowing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Guy, you know, I told you I'd have weird you do. <laughs> I'm 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 betting on it. Bristol Rovers. <laughs> I'm betting on it, man. I got more where that's coming from. <laughs> um, Do you think you could teach me? Teach you? I I think you can teach me, man. You got. <laughs> I've been diving. I've been doing the deep dive when when Howard sent me the the new stuff. I'm <laughs> like so the kind of uh, the before before departing from Perubu. Um, that's a good. I like that. That's a good reaction. The new stuff. <laughs> like, well, no, no, whoa, no, no, no. I like it. Like it is at least. At least. I mean, I'm sure you put it out or have been done with it with verses for a while. I'm sure it's old now no, to you. No. But um, well, no, I've I've had it locked in the cupboard. You know, it's been locked yeah. under the stairs. The golem only comes out when it comes out to everybody. No, no, no. I don't over. No. I I just hold I just I you know it's 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 scratching at the doors, dude. <laughs> okay, so but like going through that record and going through like everything, trying to like see how it led up to it, um, is uh, you can definitely teach me some stuff. That's that's what I'm trying to say. No, that's not true. No, uh, no, I'm. It's like what did Audet Coleman said? You have to learn everything to unlearn it. No. Mm-hmm. I'm learning, man. I'm learning. And one day you wake up and you think, what well, everything you knew or you thought you'd known up to the day before was complete and utter nonsense. Definitely. Definitely. And I you think know. that's that's a healthy mindset to have because it keeps yeah. that learning process fresh and it keeps that yeah. that ego of, oh, I'm, I'm a pentatonic, you know, shredder down. <laughs> so you can learn <laughs> to get out there. Um, but like, when you guys are playing with like Perubu as like one of the, one of these kind of formative groups, like when your group's just kind of getting together, because that was that was before you guys recorded. We were in school, yeah, 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 school, yeah. So how did like what what's this the takeaway from where is it like we got to be more like these guys? How do we how do no, we hang no, with no, these because, guys? I mean, the, 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 no, because the funny thing was. We we had no. I didn't really have any intention of being a musician, right? And I'm quite a big, you know. I was quite a big teenager, you know. And Bristol's quite a big sort of gang football league. It's quite a rough town, you know, especially when you're young. And it was only because of going to punk rock for the crack, if you like, or be able to wear like weird clothes. That suddenly we thought we could dress up and, you know, we could wear our clothes and jump up and have a laugh on the stage. We didn't have any airs and graces that we wanted to be a weird band or whatever. We thought, we thought we were, we, we thought we were right. We thought we were doing all right. And, and to us, it was quite normal what we were making, right? But I stopped and looked back. We put out this track called um, 
Feed the Hungry, right? And there was some mm-hmm. film that Don Letts did of way back in the day, and I was watching it with the bass player, right? And he said, we said to each other, we're all playing different songs at the same time. <laughs> rushing towards the end without even looking at each other it's like so but yeah but we just we we you know it's just an energy transfer so but so we weren't really in awe of anybody we just we were just doing what we were doing and it's no different to me being on stage than it was like standing at the bar or going out to the shops i just i just sort of lumber around and i don't shout at people all the time but <laughs> so you know i've met some supposedly hyper incredible people but i wasn't in awe of them or thought you know that and 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 the the sort of people and the sort of things i'm into they're just, they're just cool people anyway mm. and the reason they're cool is because they haven't got any airs and graces and they haven't got an attitude beautiful well that that in a way it kind of makes me think about what you said about your your father trying to make these like science fiction things happen and like living in this kind of like ethos of a or an ethical like code that came from diving into this thing and being more into that and surrounding what that code is and finding yourself within that sounds like punk rock and like people just being themselves was that for you well not even being themselves because you never know who you don't want to be yourself because you don't want to define yourself is my philosophy but being allowed being allowed not to (laughs) <laughs> do you understand what i'm saying yeah, being yeah, allowed yeah. To define what was that thing permission to go burroughs called it or something do, do, do you understand what i'm saying yeah yeah because if you put those if you put the the limitation up of this is who i am i will fall into this form i am the classical exactly. musician you become a cliche, you become right. a cliche within right. seconds yeah that's a beautiful way to think of it very cool <laughs> and that that is one of the reasons why I threw out my hook mm. to these other wild animals that I'm collaborating with on verses because I had no idea what was going to happen. I just knew they were very, very strong characters. So they, right, right. I didn't have a preconception as to as to how each thing was going to what was going to happen. I wasn't asking them to do anything. I just threw some meat at them. And they threw back some bones, and I sat on the hill of bones. You know, it's just, it's, it's, whoa. <laughs> and I don't think, even I don't understand what's going on, but I know, and it, with this one, I, when I listen to it, and when I listen to interv- I can only handle one thing, one thing at a time, because there's so much, it's so dense with new ideas for me coming from the other people, and the, and the, and the, and the sparks in the clash, right? That when people say about, Video of democracy or why or whatever that they've you know that it, that it was full of my, my you know it was a myriad of possibilities or whatever. I'm feeling that myself with this one because I don't you know I, I'm not trying to digest it, but I, I'm just hearing you know like when you hear a record and you hear a, a different sound every time you hear it. But I'm hearing like whole films in just one like snare drum sound that the gods make. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really exciting for me because it's, it's like a blind taste. You know, when they put yeah. on this adverts, when you taste of his butter or margarine, <laughs> God knows what it is. We used to play this game at um, Christmas time called Nelson's eye when you'd wear a blindfold and we'd go and find like rotten eggs and stuff in the kitchen. You'd put your hand or your finger in something and have to try and decide what it was. 
<laughs> it's brains. Nope, spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> so with like no brainer, no brainer, dude, no brainer. <laughs> so with with verse, like how like are you are you sending out like a like so one track that um kind of if the to, to, um in the senses or yeah. Oh shoot! Now I'm forgetting. Now you all of my senses. The track with the KK, Grant Hart, yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, Mike Watt. So yeah. like Grant Hart wrote it, the guy from Hoster Jew, and that was really crazy. I, I for me to cover a song by somebody from Hoster Jew is just the most out there idea. It's like me covering a Carpenter's song. <laughs> it's just like what? What? But you know what I mean. But yeah. sometimes something just really sticks with you, like Crowded House. Or or some or, or or you know I want to know what love is. Something something just means something to you, and you want to. Have you heard a lie back? A lie back. The Yugoslavian band. They do these really weird versions. They did a version of our song "We Are Time." And they do it's it's just mental. They do these really weird takes on like, yeah. I haven't heard that, but I have to check that out. So they take the yeah. They wear like antlers on stage. He's got like a, a horn sort of a thing on his head with antlers. It sings like this. That sounds sick. <laughs> Very cool. Um, I definitely have to check him out. But like, so do you send like um, audio take, like uh, 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 um, vocal take to what? Or how did like how with that? No, no, no. Quite a lot of these things were done. A lot of the the roots and a lot of the work on this stuff was done before. Um, whatever happened in the last two years, right? Okay. So Mike. Somebody was making a film about me, and I was living in Berlin, and Mike was in town playing with Iggy, and I said to the filmmaker, uh, he was constantly trying to get, like, what people he thought were celebrities, people who were sort of mates of mine, just other musicians who have got famous, who, who referenced me to talk about me in this film, and I said, I said, I don't want to just spend all day long phoning up, trying to chase, like, Z-rate celebrity booty to try and sell my own booty, you know. Yeah. Then why don't why don't I interview some of my heroes? I mean, I was working with Kenneth Anger at the time. I was, you know, I was hanging out with his filmmaker called Bruce LeBruce, blah, 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 blah. And Iggy was in town. So it didn't make it in the film for some reason, but I sat and interviewed Iggy about about how he was so into Tamla Motown growing up in Detroit, you know, and and it was just a lovely thing. And Mike was playing bass, and 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 Steve Mackay was was playing. You know, it was yeah. a proper student gig. But what was really interesting, it was in Spandau, right? The, which was the prison where they kept Rupert Hess, <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. But there was a noise limit because there was a lot of housing near there. But if you listen, when you listen to the Stooges quietly, you can really hear that kind of free jazz ESP records interplay between the sax and whatever. You know, it's quite right. similar to what. John Cale did with uh, Nico and Marble Index. You know, people think of the Stooges as a full-on, like, you know, straight to the jugular sort of, you know, huge kind of full-on, you know, heavy, dirgy, like sleep, you know, sort of what they now call stoner rock sound. But when you listen to it quietly, the interplay between the sax and the guitars and stuff is amazing. Definitely, definitely. And that they, you know, they're close to Sun Ra. They're close to a yes. lot of the the free jazz that was going on, and the psychedelic yes. Stooges 
just that their early stuff was way out there <laughs> like compared yeah. to where it went um yeah people don't realize that people don't realize that people like sun Ra were and cecil taylor were, were like freaking out and improvising in what they called it in a jazz way but it, but even like eddie harris electric and stuff and um, obviously miles with live evil and stuff yeah but they were doing the 40s and 50s what what later on hendrix and the and the and the and the you know and the stooges and and people and mc5 pearls before swine are like you know electric eels it's pure on jazz freak out improvisations really just with just through amps yeah drones similar to lamont young you know people don't because people put stuff in genres they think oh this is fluxus or this is you know, they can't see that all these things are connected. And in those happenings, people would be doing, like, performance art and full-on sort of psychedelic light shows and cut-up experimental films, you know, like that weird footage of the of, of, of the of the Velvets with Gerard Malinger with a whip and... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, anyway. yeah, 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 with, uh, um, uh, with Andy, uh, Andy Warhol's uh, tour thing they would do where they would bring all that stuff and they... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think... I, they only took that to L.A., right? It was New York and L.A. And then, I don't, anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's interesting that, like, it's kind of like, those are the influences they're around. But it's it's kind of goes back to the limiting, knowing, like, defining yourself in a way. It's If you yeah. define that as punk rock, that's all you'll hear. And if you define it as which free... Is what, which is a pity, which is what happened in England quite quickly. Punk rock became an orthodoxy. Right, right, and our friends, our next door neighbors, the Cortinas, were on the first wave of punk rock, and we were just going and watching them at the Roxy and stuff. And as soon as we we all started saying to each other, as a group of mates, we want to form a band, we just said, "It's not punk to sound like other people." Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is the most <laughs> punk thing. <laughs> <laughs> but so during during doing this interview. Um, that's where you buddied up with Watt? Yeah. And he's like, I, I like your bass man on the... <laughs> he's um, just mad. I mean, by telling me a story about when he... He's a huge fan. He started saying when he found Y Records with a friend, you know, and it, the cover blew his mind. I mean, I just... And he plays some of our songs live. And yeah. I knew from a distance, because I used to get this magazine called Maximum Rock and Roll, right? Yeah. I knew from a distance, man, the, 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 from a distance that the Minutemen were kosher. In the right. same way I knew the Discord was kosher, you know, and right. Mike Watts and Ian Mackay, our, are equivalent to our, like, you know, they're stalwarts of the, of, of the, uh, of the, the, you know, the state of independence. Right. Beautiful way to put that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I respect them on that, on that kind of DIY standing, you know, controlling the means of, you know, they, 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 they walk what they talk. Yeah. And have been. And have let yeah. to give up on that, and like, yeah, yeah. Watt being one of the nicest guys, like, I can I can hear him be like, "Oh, that record was a trip," <laughs> like doing the whole diving into that. But like, so through like meeting him there, like, did you guys work on stuff then, jam it all, or like share ideas? Like, how did it come to this track? Or when you reached out years later, he came, you... to, a, he came to a show we did in L.A. Right when I was chatting to some girls from Bretman, it just sort of stuff just sort of mutated. I got some stuff off KK Null when we were in Tokyo. I got KK Null to support us. Support us. We're constantly 
sort of throwing ideas at each other. And then after a gig, you go out for a bit and get some, some food and you say, shall we do this? And then I just think, right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to push him against him. You know, it's mm. like when you're in a, in a scrum, you know, it like a, suddenly push some bloke at another bloke and see who wins. And then you take on the other. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving away too much. They were, <laughs> it's a setup, dude. <laughs> Like uh, it, it was, he only, he only lost his right arm. <laughs> but I'm not sure who would win now. I think KK Noll would eat him alive because he's. He, I mean, KK. I mean, I, honestly, the, that's what I'm saying. K, just the, the, my dialogue with him is kind of lucky that he's into my music. You know, I've got I've got a bit of a card to play, so I don't, it is it is full on. It's, some of these guys are so. There's this other guy that I'm trying to work with at the moment from this from this crew called Balbanese Quark, who are like some of the most out there sort of outsider sort of electronic guys who've been going forever. And just having to kind of, you know, I know what it's like if people try and get me to do stuff. You, you're so, you're so like questioning even the stuff you do that you want it to be right to let it out of the house. Right. But to work with somebody else, you know, you have to be very, you have to be completely honest. And you have to let the other people express themselves as they want. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the nice thing is we're sort of traveling together, like my friend from Cabaret Voltaire, who we've been mates going way back in time. You know, we the pop group did this. I put on this gig for Amnesty International. We got Cabaret Voltaire to play one of their early gigs in London, Linton Quasi Johnson to do one of his early things. We found out Nico hadn't played for ages. We brought her across from France and gave her a harmonium. You know, it was just nice. a legendary gig, pop yeah. electric ballroom with all these amazing acts. And I've been friends with, with Mally, Stephen Malinder and um, Richard H. Kirk, who died last year for years. And I've always respected them from a distance. And when we see each other, we just, we just have a laugh. We tickle each other. It's the same, you know, people don't understand that it's like being in the merchant Navy. When somebody's in town, you just have a laugh. You don't talk about work. Right. But it's been a pleasure and everybody's supporting, you know, and with the thing with Mally on Cast No Shadow, one of my favourite people, let alone musicians, Eric Random, who's been like a stalwart of the Manchester scene. He used to come and see the pop group with Ian Curtis and he's always been there. He's never pushed for the limelight, but he's always made amazing music and he's a brilliant bloke. And we're just travelling through together and, 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 and the, you know... When they get when they when I called, they just said everybody just said yes straight away. That's awesome. No hassle. Yeah. No hassle. You know. And like it's like the Foreign Legion to a certain extent. One more time, you clip there. It's like the what? I said it's like the Foreign Legion to a certain extent. Got it. Got it. He's an heir. <laughs> what? One that's it's awesome. Like, but once that process happens, like, are they? Do you have like an idea, or do you? Do they just send you bits of things that? Hey, can you work on this? Well, I. The thing is, I I, I fiddle and I fiddle and I fiddle. I'm sitting in a room with like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of versions of different things, different drum beats and stuff, and I fiddle and I fiddle and I fiddle. And sometimes I go back to something that somebody else would call a demo, but it's called the essence of what was there and we never made it any better. So, and I just think that will sit better next to that. And then I thought of the meekest, you know, it's just really weird. I can't really explain the process. Sometimes it, you know, it's, and sometimes you just make a decision and you've got to front it. Right. You know, it used to be back 
the day that you'd run out of money and you needed to get the rest of the advance. So you'd stay up all night and deliver 40 minutes to somebody. And then people years later say some groundbreaking work, but it was all stuck together with sellotape and bogeys, you know? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Cause like, I was trying to like, I'm like, the, the, all these tracks are like, there's so much going on. Just like how you were describing earlier, like listening to it. That's what I'm hearing. I'm like, how does one begin to, to begin to start this? Like as a musician, I'm like, it has to be. I recommend s- you don't. I recommend <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I mean, you got I Watt rec- on the record. You got a, you got a pretty banging lineup. I think it's, it's something that someone might want to start. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but that's that's fascinating, and like it has to be like I agree with what you were saying. Like as a musician, you you you're like you're constantly in your head with what am I saying? It doesn't make sense to me to put it out. Do am I confident? Yeah, yeah. it's got to be honest for me. It's got to be honest for me, especially right. the words. Right. And often I bury the words against the sound because you know it's kind of what I want to say. You know, and it doesn't really. It's not. Really, it's a. It's, I don't know. I, I, I lo- I'm loath to to analyze my own work because you become schizophrenic. But that is what I've got to say to the world at the moment. And <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I get it. I don't know. Like it. Like and then when someone's asking you to add to their thing, you're like, well, how can I screw up their song? Here it is. <laughs> so I can yeah. see where there's that like kind of like yeah, but it's um, kind of like Jasper Johns to work with Bob Foss, right? <laughs> um, which means I just turn him upside down and shake shake all the shake all the money out of his pockets. In, yeah, it's kind of oblong, dude. <laughs> it's an oblong world. Yeah, <laughs> this man who died recently, he was, he was like. God, no. I mean, he he wrote these incredible uh, wrote these incredible books, but he could he was a, a martial arts fanatic. But he could he he you could see he was engaging with something as he was walking along, and he was all, always doing these kind of tai chi moves, even when he was talking to you. Hmm. And I said, I said, you're like chi energy. I said, you're 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 engaging with a field with something, right? He's going, Mark, can't you see them? I was going, what? He's going the oblongs. <sighs> Oh shit! <laughs> so he was—he's moving the hobbles around. And in the post, I mean, I can't smoke anymore, dude. I've taken three of those yellow tablets. What do I take the pink ones now? You're supposed to mix them, apparently. No. <laughs> mix and match. <laughs> you must be on something to wear that beanie, dude. <laughs> just, a, just a nest of hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's the vipers. <laughs> it's all scorpions and shit. <laughs> yeah, good band. Winds of Chill. Yeah. <laughs> Gorky Park. They should be around now, dude. Um, but how? How? Okay. So, how's the nursery rhyme album going with Lee Scratch? <laughs> or at least what well, you could. Yeah, I know. I know Ooh, that. But like, um, I thought that was. I got a couple of the London falling down. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've got some, there's some sort of works in progress with Lee. And a friend of mine was doing some amazing art with him. Is that who's yeah. in the video? You kind, of feel, you kind of feel when somebody goes, it's like when Prince Farai died and a couple of other friends of mine have died recently, right? You feel, I learned quite well because I went to see um, Tav Falco, right? 
and a guy came up to me. Tav had written a book about New Orleans or something, right? And a guy came up to me and said, Mark, and I said, hi. He was with a journalist friend of mine, Chris Needs is really cool. And he said, um, were you into the gun club? And I said, well, I really like their energy. And they kind of, you know, they were they were playing similar venues and stuff. And they were about the same time as us. And they played in, you know, they were cool. I said, but, you know, I, I didn't really like his hair. And they used to wear more sort of pointy shoes. You know, it's a fashion thing, you know. Yeah. I said, but I know, I know, I know Jeffrey was cool, right? And he was friends with some friends. And I said, why? And he said, because I was working with Jeffrey for years. And when he died, I looked after a lot of his unfinished songs and tapes and stuff. And I've just been approaching people to help me finish some of Jeffrey's songs with the blessing of his estate. And the money goes to a, a cool charity. And I said, well, I said, who else is involved? And he said, Thurston, who's a sort of a mayor of mine. Thurston Moore. And he said, Nick Cave. And no, no, no. And no, no, no. You know, they, they you know, everybody was, nobody was, it was a charity project, right? He's done two or three of them. And, and it was quite interesting just trying to see, trying to make Jeffrey's vision stick. Mm. You know, yeah. I, I, it's a pity if people, if people's work is left unfinished sometimes. Definitely. So I learned that, I learned that. Uh, that was quite a, a process in dealing with, dead people <laughs> right <laughs> i was just watching this film lady frankenstein but um yeah it uh, yeah I, no i mean i haven't got i i i don't understand I, I, I don't understand death i really don't understand grieving you know I, I think this whole you know i'm more eastern in those sorts of things people get up the next spring and celebrate the harvest you know anyway yeah. no i don't, I don't, this, I don't think this isn't death hour is it your podcast <laughs> Well, there's, you know, there's a lot that can be learned from about living through death, you know. Um, and I haven't died, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Same. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't think there's any right way or to know how to exactly. grieve, you know. Like, it, it's it's just like that kind of on the whole topic of how you live life. Person. I'd rather celebrate the person. And I, to be honest, if somebody knows they're ill or something, I'd rather celebrate the person when they're still around. I don't like it when people get up and start doing eulogies and you know the person didn't like them when they were alive. You know, yeah. anyway. And there's dining that... out and design a bit wrong. Right. And I feel like a lot of eulogies are a lot of, well, they were a real loving per you know, there's it's a it's it's as cliche as the the <laughs> the parameters of the, the canvas or whatever. Um was that the uh, that tune the shame and pain, the thing with Thursday yes. was that? Okay. Yeah. That was cool. Um, yeah. So we're like, okay, but um, to take it back to Lee Scratch, you with with Alpha was that from stuff that was taken from this these sessions doing this uh, um, nursery rhyme stuff, or was yeah. that a whole set? Okay. Well, we were pinging backwards and forwards, and I've got this art group called Bomb Art, and the, and the chief collaborator Peter Harris was very tight with Lee. Right, and he was making all these amazing artworks with Lee, and Lee's, and, and he's very tight with Lee's wife. Mm -hmm. And I worked with Lee before, and I, you know, I was I've been around Lee quite a lot because he works with Adrian, you know, and I've been into Lee Perry's work since I was like eleven or twelve. But on this particular song, we were just kind of ping ponging backwards and forwards, and I was kind of coaxing Lee to give me specific words, you know, like before I did a song with him called Gang War, which was kind of 
riffing on this song called Political Confusion by uh, Big Use. But anyway, yeah. at the moment, I'm working on something with Prince Jasbo, who, who again is dead. <laughs> but yeah, as long as, yeah, it's, you know, but it's like we'd finished the thing and then suddenly out of the blue, I got a phone call that Leah died, you know. Yeah. But so, so the initial release was was for Alpha Boys School, which is amazing. It's this sort of orphanage that takes in sort of street kids, and some of the yeah. best musicians in Jamaica have, have come from this place. So it's all cool. And, and uh, I mean, Lee's, Lee had an amazing life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was I just did a an interview with Yellow Man, and uh, he went to Alpha, and like it's I, yeah. So that that's that's a that's an amazing cause. Um, and it's I don't know it's Lee like I, I found it really cool that you're diving in to do nursery rhymes because he seems like I've, I've seen a couple of documentaries and just like excerpts on him and like my bass player got to see him at one of the last Riot Fest tours they did or whatever or he was on and like he's got like this childlike approach to just like elements like like there's yeah. there's this clip of him burning this thing and then water's next to it and like. But the the this like artistic way of like appreciating all these things and just being with them, um, yeah. So and it's really interesting to put that in the context of kind of like dub music and like how he would just yeah. experiment with things and do things and like there's only one one stream of like controls on this thing. How can we turn it to make whatever was known as a song as abstract as like exactly. how uh, with very little machinery with very little machinery. Yeah. Right. Right. So, like, um, cause I, I, I've also read that your brother or, or, um, someone, someone within your family was like, uh, near or in with skinheads or something. That's what got you into dub music. Yeah. Okay. Was it, was it your brother or am I mixing that up? Yeah. My older brother. Okay. So, like, on the first time of hearing that and being in this whole, like, kind of like undefined, trying to, like, be with all these, like, uh, people who are uniquely doing their own thing or actively going against doing everything, like, how do you, like, how does one begin to, like, understand dub? Because it's, like, this, like, subconscious conversation and, like, and when, when you you guys read, or you did a dub version of Why? So, like, yeah. was it, like, and worked with a, a dub producer making Why? So you've kind of been around dub the a lot. Uh, yeah, we were trying to get King Tubby, but you got shot. Back in the day. Yeah. And the thing is, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, separate dub from other things. Like, you know, if you listen to like 12 inch electro mixes or you yeah. listen to, you know, spaced out sort of, there's this stuff called Cosmic Italo, right? Yeah. The whole thing of just kind of going skeletal or, you know, like, you know, or noy, you know, or you know, the, the whole thing of just like turning stuff off and making space. And, you know, I call dub the music of chance because you suddenly cut something out and then you, you, you unearth a jewel, which you didn't hear before. It's kind of the opposite of what Phil Spector or Brian Wilson would do. Right. It's kind of smashing the palace and then finding something in the rubble, you know. So it's that kind of technique and it's that it's that kind of semiotic or praxis, which I found quite interesting. But I kind of I dub my life and I dub accepted theories and I dub 
what I think of politics, and I dub, I try not to dub relationships, but sometimes I can't. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's 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 kind of what it's kind of what I do. I can't, you know, I can't stop myself doing that, taking a chance or, or taking a risk or going against the grain. I've just been writing this thing called "Defy the Herd," you know. So, but I, you know, I don't, I can't stop myself doing it. So. You know, we just thought I was. We we're trying to get um, King Tubby to work with us because you know we had a we had a we had a. Uh, the label said, "Who do you want to produce?" We didn't really know what a producer was. We kind of worked with ourselves, and Charles Bullard from this he had helped us, and we kind of knew what we were. You know, we wanted to experiment in the cinema in in sorry in the studio, and um, I just thought to try and use those techniques with what we were doing. Not in a you know we weren't playing reggae, but just to. I've been fascinated by those techniques and I'm fascinated by like bricolage and music concrete, you know, and what I was, what really more, even more important than dub was Tia Macera with Miles Davis on, on the corner when they do like 40 minute jams and construct the song out of the jam, mm. like a mad two minute bit cut into, you know, and that's what I do. I do multiple dubs with Dennis or Adrian and then chop out little bits and think that'll be the chorus. That'll be that. That'll be that. And move stuff around like, you know, on one song, we had 82 bits of tape stuck on the wall. Because I'm trying to get the essence of the most exciting bits. Mm. Anyway. That's beautiful. I shouldn't, I shouldn't let out my state secrets. It's like, it's like a Kentucky Fried Chicken, my secret sauce. <laughs> but that, like, that's, that's fascinating. Dub your way through life. That's, yeah, that's... but I must plug, I mean, you know, I must plug this new hemorrhoid creams that we're, we're starting to market. That's the way forward for OAPs, old age punks. <laughs> Dr. Stewart's hemorrhoids, anusol. <laughs> well, it, um, and, and on the bottle is... You know it? what they call them in, in Italy? You know what they call them in Italy? What? Tarzanilas, <laughs> like Tarzan swinging on a... <laughs> on, on, the, on, the, on the bottle is, is Johnny Rotten with like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Steve, what is it with Paul Newman's salad dressing? <laughs> my mum said that. My dad woke up one night and put toothpaste on his bottom. I said, I don't want to hear about your sex games. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's the worst when you hear your parents at it at an early age. You think they're slaughtering a pig or something. But. <laughs> Once I woke up, woke up at my friend's house, went to the bathroom, and then somebody, this uh, gypsy boyfriend, had been had gone out and uh, what's it called? Uh, got a sheep and was chopping it up in the bath. I thought, oh, for God's <laughs> sake, rustling, rustling. <laughs> but what do you call a uh, what do you call a lad in a pile of leaves? Well, um, uh, um, lad in a pile of leaves. Um, yeah. Hmm. Leaf lad. Russell. Uh, <laughs> Russell. Put him on. That's what I only got Lee to do. One-liners. <laughs> that would have been amazing. They used to say comedy's the rock and roll. I said no, rock and post-punk's a new comedy. Anyway, <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Just uh, <laughs> Lee Scratch Perry comes out with a stand-up album. <laughs> um, I know. I know. Stand-up. Me. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> It would have been stuff like that. 
That was incredible. When I first went to Geeks, yeah. right? My brother took me to some heavy, I don't know what it was. I don't think it was progressive. I didn't even know what really, some band called Trapeze or something. Oh, Neil's Logfriend, it was on a trampoline. But the audience would sit on the floor. Okay. Have you seen that? Like festivals yeah, and yeah, Woodstock yeah. and stuff. But they did this indoors, like in a duck. I mean, what are they doing? The bloody hippies were sat down. I mean, they could sit down at home. Perhaps they had a flying carpet or something. Oh, God knows. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean... There's definitely the crowd that should sit down at certain shows, but like... Well, and I'm lucky, but yeah, yeah, if there's chairs, I'm lucky I didn't become... There's always a guy, we used to call them Jesus dancers, there's always a guy at the front who takes his shirt off and just dances all the way through, you know, it does that weird, like... Yeah, that rave any hippie <laughs> I do that at home all day long anyway, that's why I've got food all over my jumper, but there you go. <laughs> Best to wear a bib. Best to wear a bib. That's why no one wears shirts when they dance like that. Eric Bibb. Eric Bibb was in the Raspberries. There was an American yeah. musician called Eric Bibb. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're it's also It's not a stage name, like Vicious. It's his real name. Right. Bibb is a family name in America, is it? I, from what I understand, that's his name. But I, so you could have a President Bibb. A President Bibb. Um, yeah. No, I was. Are you doing something with Devo on a, kind of the... Yes. Yeah? What, can you talk about that at all, or is that a... No. No? No. Damn. Oh, that's going to be this so one cool. First, dude. Don't want people pre-ordering some of that hasn't even, isn't even finished yet. One day at a time. One day at a time. <laughs> I, I heard that there was, within verses, there's a, if you play it backwards, you get like a preview of, preview of the of the Devo track, right? Totally. totally. And <laughs> so, you have to walk backwards. Yeah. You have to walk backwards. Without yeah. a shirt. Chaos magic. And magic. do the dance. Yeah, it's like the enthroned. What well, was Count Zizibak? What were those guys called? The enthroned. I was just listening to Nihil. Have you heard of Nihil? They're a bit like Nile. Yeah, I have not. Was it so like? I love, I love, I love Sleep, the band. Yeah. And there's an offshoot band from Sleep called Om, who is the best band mm. I have seen for years. The bass player, and they are locked. Those guys are wicked. Anyway. Is there anything like John Coltrane's? Um, I'm sure it's amazing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. How do you? What's your musical diet like? How do you? Are you constantly? Are people suggesting things? Are you? Di- are you crate diving? How are you finding some of these like crate digging? Yeah, crate- yeah, yeah. I just, I just got a sticker. I bought my old hip hop stickers. Crates, crates, milk crates wanted. Right. <laughs> no, I'm a digger. I'm a digger. And with okay. YouTube, you can, you can, you can, you can, whatever you guys call it, you can deep dive into Turkish psych. Yeah. For, the, for the rest of your life, right? Right. Anatolian, Anatolian funk. You know, we were just doing some Eastern post-punk. I've got a radio show out of Romania. And yeah, I'm, it's crazy. But I, I'll deliberately... i got this motto that taste is a form of personal censorship. So I'll deliberately just pull it back and listen to some Perry Como, you know? Yeah. For me, seeing the Osmonds doing Crazy Horses on the Andy Williams show, and Andy Williams' first wife, I believe, was an incredible singer. All sorts. Uh, what was I listening to? That R- Romanian gypsy pop this morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Turkish. I love Turkish. Turkish male singers. There's like a Turkish. I was living in a Turkish area, Berlin, and, and there was like a Turkish sort of MTV, and the guys actually start crying, crying. And in the pop group rehearsals, I start singing. It's not that I know Turkish, but me and my brother had a secret language called Flipscale language. 
which didn't really make, mean any sense, but it drove people mad because they thought they couldn't understand what we were saying. And uh, a bit like politics these days. But um, I'll sing in this COD sort of Turkish language. But it ended up the rehearsal rooms we were in were run by Turkish people. And there was a big, there's a cafe to, that was part of it. And there was this, you know what it's like when there's some dude like sat at the head of the table and people are bringing him all these offerings like Caligula. I thought this guy's important, right? And he was a big Turkish rock star. I couldn't get him on verses, but there you go. That's, That's why I fancy doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. I want so to do like cool. Nathan Cole when you sing in Spanish really badly. <laughs> he pulled it off, <laughs> but uh, that's there's definitely something to like just how the language is uh, with Turkish and like how it's approached and the microtonalisms within their yeah. music and like the yeah. like nine feel. And it's interesting. I have a friend in Turkey who's really into psych rock and all this other stuff. Anything that's not Turkish. And it's interesting yeah. just, like, appreciating all these different, like, cultures or cultures, like, um, like understanding of other things like punk or psych rock or whatever. Like, but hearing the, these, yeah, like, the te- but when, it, when it gets removed, you know, you can – there's, like, this Japanese funk. And I found yeah. this thing about Hong Kong, Hong Kong disco in the 1970s when something is slightly removed or, like, Iranian rock, you know, there's this Iranian death metal band when – you should watch the film Beijing Bubble about the Chinese punk rock scene. You know, yeah. when some of it is twisted and removed, but it even happens in in different towns in England. And I was watching something, I was watching the Black Entertainment Channel, and they were saying there's a kind of variation of what they used to call trap. Each town or each little district in Atlanta has got its own beat. Right. Let a bang on the rappers. You know, it's just, it's crazy. It is. But you used to get that, folk, used to get that into the folk music as well. Um. It, especially um, with the punk rock in China, just how much they have to go through to do it. Like, uh, I talked with, um, gosh, what was the group? I'm blanking right now, but he was telling me the whole process of, like, uh, they had a, the, 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 they have to fill these forms and basically how they have to have all these underground shows with, like, the Descendants and all these giant bands <laughs> coming through. And, like, they can get shut down because some dude has a tattoo on his shoulder of a bird. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, um, it's amazing all these, like, things they have to go through to make it happen but how also how it's interpreted and how it's put out and how like some of those essences of the music when you listen to it you don't hear it but when a different culture does it you do hear it um but that's that's super rad i uh it was funny too because my friend in turkey she wanted nothing to do but not hear anything turkish yeah <laughs> um but awesome man well mark thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've been super excited after Howard gave me the advanced on, uh, on verses and diving into it right. and then diving into your history and like, um, the record's fantastic and I'm really excited to hear whatever quote unquote evil things going on. That's going to be amazing. And <laughs> so, and also I really appreciate you working around all these communication difficulties we had. Well, with this uh, respect straight back at you, mate, straight back at you. And, and- it's a pleasure to, to to interact with you. Thank you. Likewise. Great. Send me some of your music as well. I would, please, yeah, mate. Yeah, I would love to get your opinion on it. Like, especially. Awesome. If, you, if you see me near your town or you get over here, give me a shout. 